0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hi everyone, welcome back to Send It With Steph. I'm Steph Fleckenstein, your host, and today I'm going to be doing a requested podcast about my background and how I got into ski racing and just kind of, I guess I'll go over my like story, I would say, because while I've done a couple updates on YouTube, I don't think that... Necessarily, everyone who listens on here has watched my channel, so I guess I'll start from the beginning. I um, grew up in Whistler and West Vancouver, kind of going back and forth because my parents worked in Vancouver and we skied in Whistler on the weekends. So I attended school all the way, elementary to high school, in West Van. And when I got into high school, is when I really started taking skiing seriously, um, which was great. And I was in a bunch of other sports at the time, like competitive gymnastics. And I loved field hockey. It was one of my favorite sports. So with the high school I went to, it was just easier to be in West Van because there was a sports program that allowed me to go to school only two or three days a week, rather than having to go the full five like a normal student. Um, I was able to kind of stack my classes on a couple days a week so that if I wanted to go to training in Whistler from Thursday to Sunday, I could miss those days of school without missing actual class. And when I went away to ski trips, it was not a huge burden to miss like three weeks of school because I'd end up only missing whatever, six to nine days of school in total. I do feel very lucky that that was an option for me. I know that a lot of skiers or athletes that are passionate about their sport end up going to some sort of academy, but for me it just wasn't an option because I, I wasn't really focused on just skiing. Like I had a lot of other things that I really liked, and I wanted sort of a normal high school experience, but at the same time I did want to be able to train as a lot and go to any races that I wanted to, so... The sport program was great. It wasn't just designed for skiers. I think it was actually mostly designed for like hockey players and dancers because they could leave school um at lunchtime and go do their sport. But I just kind of played it to my advantage. I luckily was a bit of a kiss ass and worked worked the teachers and um I actually got in trouble one year because I ended up missing like 85 days of school or something and I was getting better grades than some of my classmates and the teacher had a conference with me and my parents saying like he needed me to do these extra assignments because it looked bad that I was missing so much school and still doing well. But anyways, off topic there, I I guess with high school and elementary school, I never Was that like passionate about the actual learning parts? I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I kind of followed what my friends were into, which was mostly business and sciences. So I actually kind of got into this weird phase where I was like, I'm going to go into kinesiology. Meanwhile, I'm like so grossed out by anything. I cannot look at like, oh God, I just thinking about gory things makes me uncomfortable but i get grossed out really easily i know nothing about the human body i took biology like 11 or something and i <laughs> it was fun but i mean i learned about trees and like flowers and stuff so that wasn't really my life passion or my path that i was supposed to be on i have always loved writing I didn't love reading for a while. I had a really hard time with it. I, My mom could not get me to learn how to read for years, so I think it was kind of something I grew into as I got older, and it ended up being something that like, I just decided that I was going to take writing really seriously and try to see if it could go well for me, if I could make something out of it, and yeah, that's what led me into communications at CU, um, which is where I went to university for three years. But I didn't really know what communications was. I didn't know what anything at college was. I'll get to that in a second. But when I was in high school, I was competing full-time in gymnastics, even though I'm like 5'8", and I did not have the build of a gymnast. So we knew I wasn't going to be an Olympic gymnast. That was off the table at a very young age. But I loved doing it. I had a lot of friends in it, and it was just, like, something I enjoyed doing. And so I did that all the way up until grade 10, I think. And then at that point, I was just getting injured too much, and skiing was my priority, so had to quit. But with field hockey, I honestly, when I was in high school, it was kind of a juggle between field hockey and skiing, and luckily, the seasons didn't really overlap, so... I was able to compete pretty full-time in field hockey during that season and then also full-time in skiing when that season started. But in high school, I really wanted to be a field hockey player. I think that a lot of the people I looked up to as a teenager were going to the States for school to play field hockey. And I just like loved the scene of field hockey. I loved The running and the like, just the whole game of it. And I really did like the team sport aspect. I mean, I'm very competitive, so I think that my teammates may not have loved me all the time, but I'm also a bit of a guard dog friend and got a couple yellow cards along the way. So I, yeah, I loved field hockey. I got offered a scholarship to the University of Alberta to play field hockey when I was in like grade 11. And I mean, at that point, I kind of knew that it was going to be skiing. I wasn't going to go in the field hockey route because it just wasn't something I saw for myself long term. I mean, I could see myself playing it in high school and university, but then I kind of knew that it wasn't something I wanted to do for the years after that. And skiing was something I wanted to do. So anyways, that's how I ended up choosing skiing. I kind of focused myself into what I was going to want to do after university and tried to look past how fun things were as a high school student, which is pretty tough. I mean, I don't think that a lot of 16 year olds are looking like are thinking about what their life is going to look like when they're in their 20s and 30s. And for me, it was kind of my parents were like, look, we're putting a lot of money into ski racing. And if it is something you want to keep doing, then we'll keep supporting you. But if you are like not sure and you think you might want to be a different type of athlete or go into something else, then you should probably make a choice because at that point, like I was getting older and yeah, it's a big commitment not going to university right away and choosing a sport. Okay. So that leads us to kind of post high school. I took three and a half gap years. So when I graduated grade 12, I was on the BC Provincial team, which is like a step below the Canadian national team. And the year after grade 12, no, two years after grade 12. So after my first year out of school, I qualified for the Canadian development team. And at that point, I was focusing more on tech and Super G. I saw myself as still an all-around skier. I had just gone to my first World Juniors and (laughs) did my first downhill. That was another story in itself. But I was still doing all the disciplines and trying to focus my energy into everything. But at a certain point, you just kind of run yourself too thin. And I think that the second year I was on the Canadian team, so that would have been my third year out of school or fourth year. I don't know. My third year on the Canadian team, I was on the full national team at that point. I had won the NORAM downhill title for two years, and this was hopefully going to be the year that I was going to go over to Europe and race all the World Cups and kind of get my like World Cup shot. And training in Chile, I crashed one day and just fractured my leg, and that was kind of the end of that. It was, I think, anyone who's been on a national team that is low on funding, they know what a struggle it is to come back from injury, especially when they're low on staff, low on money, and just low on resources in general. So I was left at this kind of crossroads where I was either going to have to pay for my entire return to snow, I was going to have to pay for everything, find teams to join, and just work my way back alone until I was ready to be racing World Cup, or... I could look at other options. And right around the time I was kind of talking this over with my parents, I got a call from Michaela Tommy, who was going to CU Boulder at the time. And she basically told me that they wanted another girl to start in January and that they would be offering a scholarship and that I should talk to them. And I mean, at this point, I was like, I think I was at two weeks non-weight-bearing, like, on crutches, (laughs) basically, like, praying that I was going to go to my doctor's appointment in two days, and they were going to tell me, oh, yeah, your leg's totally healed, like, go get after it, (laughs) so um, my parents and I kind of sat down that night after I got the call, and we made this kind of list of things that I wanted to accomplish and what we thought that would take. And at the end of the day, we kind of decided that school was maybe going to be an option. And if I could get it paid for, that would be kind of an amazing experience. So I made a deal with them that if I went to my doctor's appointment, which was literally two days after I got this call, like it was very crazy timing. um, And the doctor said that I would be like back skiing in the whatever, four weeks, then I would not go to school I would go straight back to skiing and try to get back to racing by January because at this point it was like middle of I feel like middle of October or middle of September something like that and then two days later I went to the doctor and he basically told me I was going to be eight weeks non-weight bearing and then a minimum of eight weeks to get back to skiing so that point my injury had gone from like a six-week total ordeal to a two-month setback and we just kind of thought about it financially like long-term goals Um, yeah just all around like what was going to be best for me and my career as a ski racer and we figured okay let's go to school like screw it I'm (laughs) I'm gonna take the two months off I'm gonna like get strong, get ready to race again and not push it. And if that means getting to start school while I'm not racing, that's amazing. So that's how I started school. It was kind of bizarre. I hadn't even applied to CU. I luckily had taken my SATs when I was in high school because at that point I was like almost four years out of school and no chance I would have finished an SAT because I could barely spell my name. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) But... Yeah, I applied to the school in December. At this point it was like everything was happening very fast and slow at the same time. So the process of deciding to go to school happened very quickly, but then the process of completing my like NCAA eligibility and then talking to the coaches and clarifying the contract and everything, it it took some time. And then also just completing the common app is not a quick process. Like it took me months to get into school. <laughs> so I basically got in in December. Um, yeah. And then I drove down like two weeks later and started training with the team. I did my return to snow in Colorado. And then I raced the college circuit and did a couple of NORAMs. But at this point, I wasn't 100% yet. Like I was still in pain. And um, yeah, things were just kind of Not, I wasn't skiing well, essentially. (laughs) I obviously wasn't ready yet. And um, whatever, I made it through that season. Had a great end of the year. Had a great end of the school year. Like, it was so much fun. And at that point, I was very set on just doing my next two years and then taking the Olympic year off. But I don't think I fully understood, like, what a college NORAM, potentially World Cup, Schedule would look like because I had just done a couple of college races. I hadn't had like the full pressure of a race season on me because I was injured. So that summer I went to Europe for, no, I went to New Zealand for a couple camps and then I went to school in the fall with the intention of going to other camps in Europe, but some things got in the way of that and I basically was not allowed to go. This school the coaches wanted me to stay around and yeah so I ended up staying in Boulder the entire fall I didn't start skiing until (laughs) after Halloween or something it was crazy and um, I went to my first Noram in Gopper with like six days of skiing since whatever September and I was swinging my legs in the warm-up area for the slalom Noram and my knee kept catching like it kept getting locked in this weird position like every time I bend and then straighten it it would get locked and so I was kind of freaked out and it wouldn't bend very far so did the races and then went back to school got an x-ray and an MRI and they found this it looked like a cyst like in my knee joint and (laughs) at that point I just like it had been just exactly a year since I had originally fractured my leg, and I was so over all the knee drama. (laughs) Like, I just want to be healthy, just want to ski and have a good year. So they gave me an injection in my knee, which lasted basically six months. It was great. I didn't have any pain. I raced the whole season, Um, had a pretty good year. Michaela and I kind of dominated, like, the college circuit, and then we went to... NCAAs and COVID hit so (laughs) my season was cut short we all got sent home I ended up staying in Whistler for like six months or something which was the longest I've ever been home in like years and over that time we went through multiple workout phases we did all this stuff and then around July 1st or something my knee started hurting like out of nowhere. I was out on a bike ride with my dad and all of a sudden I like could not turn my pedal and it was the most bizarre feeling. And so I tried to just like work it off for a couple of days, tried to squat again, couldn't, couldn't squat, like could not go below 90, couldn't do anything. And so I went to get another MRI, quickly got in to see a doctor and the... <laughs> what they thought was a cyst had actually grown into a tumor that had like over tripled in size. It was now basically blocking my knee from bending. And what they were saying was the injection that was supposed to last six months essentially had worn off and I all of a sudden could feel it. So it had been growing this whole time, but because my knee was basically numb, I couldn't feel it. And so because it was a tumor And just the way that it had grown, they, I essentially went in for like rushed surgery. Um, So two weeks after I had the MRI, I was booked in for surgery, got it removed and everything, the process went smoothly. They basically said it was a routine procedure. I (laughs) should have been walking a couple of days after. So went home, tried getting some physio. Tried just doing like mundane stuff, like walking around, just pedaling around the neighborhood on our bikes and stuff. Nothing crazy, just trying to get it moving. And after like four or five days of basically doing nothing, this huge hematoma showed up on the back of my knee. (laughs) So it basically looked like I had knee joints on both sides of my knee. Like it looked like my knee could have bent either direction. And At that point, I was kind of freaked out. I was like, oh, God, (laughs) something else has grown in there. Like, is this another tumor? Um, So I called the doctor, and he couldn't see me for a week. But by the time I went in, they basically told me that what was in my knee was not a hematoma. It wasn't blood because when they were draining it, it was clear. So they said that when they had sewn the joint um, sack this joint sack, I don't know what it's called. (laughs) I'm not a doctor. Um, the fluid sack that's in your knee, uh, when they had sewn that back up after taking out the tumor, the stitches must have popped once I got home. And every time I remotely bent my knee, it was squishing fluid into the back of my knee. And so they drained the sack and they said, There's two ways to fix it. Either they go in and do surgery again and sew it back up or they leave it closed. I get put in a cast for two weeks. Um, And yeah, I didn't want to get opened up again. Surgery takes a huge toll on me. I do not deal with drugs or anesthesia well. So we went for the cast route. I got put back in a cast. I was non-weight-bearing. I was my leg was basically just pinned straight so that I couldn't bend it at all so that they were hoping the sack would just heal on its own. And yeah, after two weeks, I went back in. They like <laughs> they bent my knee to make sure that nothing squished back out. And after that, I went to school. And this was all during COVID. So you can imagine trying to get all this medical stuff done during COVID. Like It was just so exhausting and such a longer process than it needed to be like (laughs) it basically went from getting surgery in I think it was like July or August 2nd I think I got surgery August 2nd and then all of a sudden it was like September (laughs) and this was supposed to be a surgery that took like two weeks to recover from and all of a sudden we were four weeks in and I was still not bending my leg. So it was kind of a shock to me. I had done all this work all summer and felt like I was going to be really ready for the season. And then I had been on the couch for essentially six weeks. And yeah, I was still not walking properly. So went to school, did all my rehab with COVID. Uh, Naturally, things kept getting shut down. I kept getting banned from things because people would test positive and then we weren't allowed in the gym and we weren't allowed whatever it was just mayhem so then I yeah what did I do after that I guess I just kind of took things into my own hands and I was like you know what I'm just gonna take care of myself I know what to do I had my little ultrasound I had all the stuff that I needed for my knee to heal properly and I just kind of left school and moved to Vail, where I did my return to snow with the Vail team. And that was kind of the beginning of my season. And then <laughs> you guys are gonna laugh at this one. I went to my first race, um, after very minimal training, obviously, because I was still non-weight bearing in like October. So started skiing in November, went to my first race, um, beginning of December, and The second day, I subluxed my shoulder in the slalom, and it wasn't my first time doing it. I've done it a couple times now, and unfortunately, it's subluxed in a way that they basically said, like, you can take (laughs) six weeks off or you can um, get surgery. seems like these ultimatums keep coming up in my life, but anyways, I opted for the no surgery route again because... If I got surgery, it would have taken me out for the whole season for sure, versus taking six weeks out of racing didn't seem like that horrible of a thing at whatever, December 2nd or something. So I didn't ski um, until January. January, I got back on snow at home. I did like two weeks of return to snow, came back to school, did the college season, ended up doing pretty well went to NCAAs, did really well, like way better than I would have anticipated. And um, yeah, once March, whatever, 5th hit and NCAAs were over, I was out of school. I was done. (laughs) I had kind of put it in, like I had realized that with COVID and everything, school was not where I needed to be. It wasn't getting me where I wanted to be and it wasn't just wasn't working for me. Like I just had a really hard time with the people. I had a really hard time with the coaching and just the skiing and everything was, I had hit this point where I'd been injured so much that I just wanted a fair chance at ski racing and like making all the hard work worth something. So I left school. I joined the Vail team again. They are basically my second family now. They've just taken me in multiple times. So I'm very grateful for them i finished off the season with Vail. i had a great spring camp it was amazing got to work for the american downhillers camp and then yeah i went to europe and joined isra and then now i've been with isra for around since june so a few months and i love it yeah i'm back racing. World Cup I get to do World Cup downhills mostly I'm trying to get into Super G's as well but just because of the lack of Super G and downhill racing I've done over the last whatever three years that I was at school I have a pretty bad world ranking in Super G's so it's hard to get into the (laughs) World Cups but the goal this year is just to get back racing full-time get back into speed because it is Something I love doing. I love downhill and super G. It's kind of oh my god, the downhill story. Okay, so my first downhill, I got invited to World Juniors, um my third year fist, and I was so excited. I had never gone. <laughs> I was finally like feeling like I was getting somewhere in ski racing, I was getting noram podiums and things were kind of working out for me. And so I got to go to Russia and we were in Sochi and <laughs> Val Grenier was the only other girl there with me, so I had never started downhill before. I didn't even own downhill skis, and (laughs) we got over there, and their coaches were like, you should just try the training run and see how it goes, because it'll help you for the super G either way. So like, sure, like, I don't have skis. (laughs) So they get me a pair of Val skis. I go and do the training run, and I was so terrified. I had literally (laughs) no idea what I was doing. So um, whatever, I go do the training run. I did pretty decently for a first training run ever. It was like I was in the 20s or something. So they're like, you know what? You should just race. There's not that many girls here. Like you'll have a good start number and whatever. It's fist points either way. So I go. I'm starting dead last. And Val was like an accomplished downhill skier at this point. She ran very early. She won. And I was up in the start house waiting to go and they had started awards (laughs) and I could see where they were doing awards from the start house. So I was just standing up there getting ready to go and I'm watching Val get ready to accept her medal. (laughs) It was just such a crazy experience. Like I, mind you, probably not the most generic way to start your downhill career, but it was really fun. And It really kind of slingshotted me into the downhill world because after that, I went home. Nationals were at Whistler that year. I ended up coming second behind Val in the downhill at Nationals. And then the next downhill I did was the Lake Louise World Cup. So (laughs) I had done three downhills before my first World Cup, and that was probably a mistake on many, many ends, but it was very fun. And it was all a great learning experience for me. I've always been a Super G skier since I was younger. I always loved Super G, so I couldn't imagine it being much different. Okay, so now that you kind of have the background on like my life and history in ski racing, I guess I should probably kind of tell some of my stories that I think have really helped shape me both into a skier and the person that I am. For starters, I think that when I was younger, I never really had a crazy competitive edge. I'm not sure why because I grew up doing all sorts of sports and I, my parents were like elite athletes They always kind of taught me to do my best and to really work for what I wanted. But I was the type of person where like... I went to a race and if I came second, I was like, oh, I'm really happy for the other person who won. Or if I didn't qualify for something, I, (laughs) this is when I was really young. Like when I was in whatever, U14, I didn't really have a competitive edge as far as like really wanting to dominate and win. But the second I stepped into U16 and kind of had my first podium, that's when I really realized like how, much I liked to do well and how much I like to push myself to achieve what I thought I could achieve so I think U16 is really when my competitive edge started coming in I think my second year U16 when I was the oldest like my age group was the oldest I like won almost everything that season in western Canada and I just felt like I was on this high. I didn't think anyone else could even compete with me, which looking back now, I can't believe I had that kind of confidence. Like I would do anything to get that confidence back. But I was really at this point in ski racing where I like really believed in myself. I was, I had matured a lot faster than some of the other girls. So I was a lot bigger. I had kind of this natural um, ability with ski racing. I think that came genetically like I have very athletically talented parents and I just grew up doing so many sports that ski racing I had a natural edge to it so I definitely wasn't the strongest I wouldn't say that I particularly trained the hardest at that point I think that I enjoyed training and I enjoyed ski racing but I didn't really work out yet I was doing gymnastics and field hockey like I was still in high school so I was kind of doing all these other sports that were I was in good shape, and I was always a fit, athletic kid, but I was never, like, the strongest looking, or I was pretty skinny, honestly, Um, until I made it into fist, and then once I got to fist, I got put in my place immediately, like, (laughs) I went to my first fist race, and I think I was 16 seconds out in my first fist slalom, it was so horrible, I... Just realized how much harder fist was gonna be if I wanted to compete with girls that were not just a year older than me, but they could have been 10 years older than me and competing with me. So that was kind of the first year fist was like the eye opener for me that I'm not the top of the group anymore. I'm like this little fish again. And that was when I started working out that next summer with the BC team. I put on like 20 pounds. I really tried to turn into more than just, like, a talented athlete. I started doing extra training sessions um, during the week after school, and I started seeing, I'm not going to say a personal trainer, but a trainer with a group of skiers. And that, I think, gave me kind of a different type of motivation where I realized that, okay, I'm not just going to be good enough just purely skiing. Like, I'm going to have to put in the extra work And I'm going to have to be better, like work harder than the girls around me. So that's kind of when I realized that being a good ski racer was going to take more than just being a naturally talented athlete. And it really pushed me to be more of like a hardworking athlete than just someone who relies on their talent. But I think that some major events that also kind of helped shape me were when I was in u16 I so I had three years u 16 my fifth year going into fist got pushed back and my third year u16 I had just dominated the season before and I had kind of a slow start to the year I was really tired I was getting sick a lot and around, my first races in December, I was just exhausted. Like I would race one run, go into the lodge and sleep until the second run. And then I wasn't performing well. I was having a hard time focusing, just all around having a really hard time. And so I went and got a blood test because we figured something was probably wrong with me. And I ended up having mono and I was severely anemic. So I think anemia is very common in female athletes, but the fact that I was, whatever, 16, I had anemia and mono at the same time, I was just drained, so I ended up taking a couple weeks off where I just basically slept, I could barely leave my bed, and then I ended up missing a lot of racing, because when you're in your 16, a lot of your races are kind of based around January and February. And that season, Whistler had decided to send some kids to Topolino. But since I hadn't really raced, it was tough for me to really think about going to Topolino, which is, if you don't know what Topolino is, it's a kind of major event for junior racing or kinder racing. And it was something that I had really wanted to go to in past years, but had never had the opportunity. So When Whistler said they were going to send a team, I obviously immediately tried to get in based on my previous year's results, and luckily, just the way it worked out, I was able to go, but I mean, realistically, I had done one or two races that year, and I was still feeling pretty sick when we went, and I ended up not going back to school that year even. I basically went to like three weeks of school the entire year, I was that sick, but that was kind of an eye-opener for me because despite the fact that I was not feeling my best and kind of struggling physically, I was able to see the global or like international competition in Europe, which I mean we have Whistler Cup when you're younger in Whistler and in Canada, but it doesn't really open your eyes to how Europe, like how races happen in Europe and how competitive and like deep the fields are. So that was a huge eye opener for me. It really taught me that, yeah, you may be the best in your region in Canada or even Canada in general, but there is so many, so many other competitors outside of North America that are pushing and they're having to compete against so many other skiers outside of who you're having to compete with. So, yeah, that was just a very eye opening experience. I didn't ski well. I mean, I was tired and sick. So I kind of just took it more as a learning experience. And then the following year, I moved into FIS. Obviously, had my eye opener. And yeah, things kind of sped up from there. So once I was in FIS, obviously, as I said earlier, I made the BC team. And while I had some success on BC team, I mean, I was podiuming at Norams and kind of making a name for myself on the Noram circuit, I was in no way competitive on the World Cup circuit. So I didn't really have a lot of confidence when it came to racing in Europe. I knew that in North America, I can compete with the best girls, but I did not see myself as competitive in Europe. I had done some, like a couple of Europa Cups, not many. And had barely made the top 60 in the slalom and hadn't made top 60 in the GSs. So it was kind of, I saw myself as a North American ski racer still, and I couldn't really envision myself being competitive in Europe. But my second year at World Juniors was a huge event for me because it was the year I had made the... um Canadian development team. I was basically winning the downhill NORAM title. I was doing really well in the NORAM circuit. And then we went over to Europe and I got my butt kicked like so horribly. And it was just really disheartening watching kind of my confidence slip away. And then getting to World Juniors, I decided that I was just going to believe in myself and do my best, and whatever happened, happened. But we started off with the downhill, and I did not have a good race. I was just nervous and had too much pressure on myself. But my coaches, the way they reacted was just so heartbreaking and really kind of put me in a place where I was like, I don't deserve to be here, and I shouldn't be competing with these girls despite the fact that my close friend Alice Merriweather was the one who won the downhill, and her and I had been going back and forth in the downhill Norham Cups that season. So it was kind of, like, it was just tough to hear that from people who were supposed to be there for you, your coaches, and they're the ones who are supposed to be on your side. So hearing them say that it wasn't, I wasn't really able to compete hurt And it also lit this fire inside of me where I was kind of like, well, screw these guys. Like if they don't see what I see in myself, then that's their issue. And I went into the Super Combined the following day and ended up coming probably like 20 something in the Super G. It was a tough race for me, but I knew that I could ski fast in the slalom and I ended up coming like fourth or something in the slalom run and moved up to top 15, and I was really proud of myself. I showed them that I could be competitive and I could be amongst those top girls, which was something that they clearly didn't see in me. But what followed that was I got chosen to be on the team event team, which I hadn't really envisioned myself being on. I had no motivation to be on it because I was not pegged as a tech skier at that time I was seen more as the speed specialist and my coaches had just kind of shut like broken me down to a point that I didn't see myself as being chosen but I got put on the team event team we were a really strong group that year it was just there was a lot of good energy with the boys team they were doing really well and our girls team, like Allie Nolmeyer was on it, and she was crushing slalom. So we knew that we could be good. I don't think anyone had that much faith in me, but I was very willing to put myself in a competitive position. And what happened was we ended up winning. And it was a huge, huge turning point for me because first of all, I proved my coach is wrong. I proved that I deserved to be there and that Despite the fact that I wasn't necessarily a slalom skier at the time, I could still compete with some of the best slalom skiers of my age group. So that was a huge, huge moment for me and kind of helped shape my next few years and give me the confidence to race in Europe with a different mentality than I had before. So after my first year on the development team where... I had those kind of exciting results at World Juniors, and then I had the Downhill Norm title as well. Or I was second, I think, but I still had a World Cup spot. I had a lot of confidence, and I had a new goal of kind of putting myself on the map on the European circuit. But that didn't exactly go my way. I This is another huge shaping moment for me because <laughs> it taught me that You can't listen to everyone. And yeah, anyways, I was doing really well in the Noram circuit again. I think I was leading the overall for like a while. And then I went over to World Juniors. That year before World Juniors, our team just had a total breakdown. We had people going all different directions. We had so much stuff going on. And my coaches just... We're not getting along, things weren't going well. But we got there and it was a very slow start for the girls' team. We were having a lot of trouble finishing. There was just some dynamic issues. And I ended up going into the downhill day just with so much pressure on myself. And one of my coaches at the time basically told me they didn't think I had what it took to be a ski racer or to be competitive. So, that was another, some, for some reason, these things kept happening to me at World Juniors, and I'm not entirely sure why, but these coaches decided that was their moment to try to like break me down, I guess, or to try to get me to <laughs> either motivate me or get me to quit, and I chose to use it as a motivator, but not necessarily in the way they may have wanted. It motivated me. look at my options outside of national team skiing and look at schools and look at other paths I could take and by the end of the season the coaches we had were changed and I was moved up to the senior national team and yeah that's where I decided to keep going on this national team path before I got injured and went to school but that was kind of the thing that motivated me to make a change. I wasn't going to go back to the same situation where I had been year after year told that I wasn't good enough. I physically like decided to make a change and I was going to back myself whichever way I went. I feel like I could go on and on about stories from the past but I also want to make another podcast later in the year going over my experiences this year and how I've kind of adapted to being more of a rookie on the world cup circuit, especially in Europe and just the lessons I've learned and kind of how I've managed it. But that's all I'm going to talk about for today, because this is one of the longest podcasts I've ever recorded. And I can only imagine that you guys are all tired of listening to my voice. So thank you so much for listening. Make sure to tune in each week for new episodes and I'll see you next week.